What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking golf for another week, and we've got uh, a more normal week on the golf schedule uh, after last week's uh, crazy team event there at the Zurich Classic. So uh, we'll break down this week's event for you, and uh, we'll do a quick recap of last week as well. As usual, I am Justin Van Zuden. I've got uh, my usual co-host, Derek Barnesworth, alongside. Noto, what's going on today? Not much. How are you doing? Uh, we don't have a team event this week. We have a cut, so uh, things are looking up. Yeah, a little bit more uh, back to normal. The Mexico Open at Vidanta, the uh, tournament this week. Of course, with the team event last week, we saw minus 30 as a winning score, but both Nick Hardy and Davis Riley teaming up to get their first PGA Tour wins. And those are the kind of stories that are neat uh, with that event. You get guys that maybe, you know, have never won or don't uh, get that opportunity. And then you get a couple of them that team up together and uh, hold off the challengers at 30 under par. Uh, we talked about the Canadian team on the show last week. Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, they finished second. Uh, Wyndham Clark, Bo Hostler, we talked about as wild card kind of upside plays. Matthew Neesmith, Taylor Moore, uh, who we also talked about. And then, of course, the consensus top team of Cantley and Shoffley. That was your top five. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you listened to the show last week, hopefully it paid off a little bit for you. Um, I did not play a whole lot last week. Just uh, don't love the way that tournament sets up for DFS, but uh, it was still a pretty good week for us here on the show. So uh, how was the week for you? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, my best main slate I've had in a long time. Uh, took fifth in the five-five-five on DraftKings, so that was nice. Could have used. Uh, I had outrights on the Taylor Hadwin team, and then on the Moore Neesmith team. So would have been nice to have one of them pull through on Sunday. But uh, yeah, good DFS win, and those have been a uh, few and far between the last uh, couple months. Yeah, it's uh, always nice to break out of a little funk, and even it doesn't matter the tournament you do it. When you win money, it's always a little bit more enjoyable. So uh, pretty good week. Tough to have too many takeaways from that event, obviously, given everyone's playing with a teammate and it's an easy uh, easy course, et cetera. So uh, I don't know if there's really a whole lot that we can look back on to say that it's impactful going forward, but uh, anything else that that you want to pass along from last week's event that uh, maybe you feel we need to? Uh, not really. I mean, I hope they can get some better teams in, uh, you know, to one of these in, in the upcoming years. But uh, I did see a tweet from Data Golf. They went through and uh, actually looked at the strokes gained for each player. And uh, number one, the biggest difference in terms of uh, teammates was Hoygaard, who I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a bit, uh, and Olison, I think Hoygaard gained like 12 strokes on the field and Olison lost like 11, something like Oof. that. I can't remember the exact numbers. And then the other one was Sung J.M. Uh, gained a bunch and uh, Keith Mitchell actually lost strokes to the field. So I um, just thought that was kind of interesting. I wish we had the full data. Um, but those nuggets were certainly interesting, maybe for this week with Hoygaard. Uh, Keith Mitchell losing strokes to the field and the team still finished what tied for six or something like that. So yeah. uh, pretty impressive performance from Sung Jay uh, make you, you know, upset with your teammates. I don't know uh, if, uh, if the guys go back and look at that and Keith Mitchell owes him some, some dinner or something, who knows, but uh, yeah, always interesting nuggets now that we can find a little bit more of that data out there. Uh, but again, not going to take a whole lot of that uh, going forward 
as far as you know gospel just because of the nature of that course is a little bit different even when it was a solo you know single player event uh, always played relatively easy so uh, and it's just different you know when you're playing in a team format so uh, with that, we can probably go ahead and move along, uh, get uh, rolling quickly here. We will have a snake draft at the end of the show tonight, so we had to skip that last week, uh, but we'll get that back rolling tonight as well. Mentioned we've got the Mexico Open, uh, which uh, last year was the first year that this event was played at a, you know, it was at a new course, uh, a Greg Norman design, which was uh, a little bit awkward as Liv was getting off. Uh, and rolling last year, kind of right around the time that uh, that this tournament was played, uh, was when all that news was kind of starting to buzz. So uh, really interesting to see that they've kept the event here. Uh, par 71 course, but not your usual par 71. Still has the four par fives and five par threes. So we've only got nine par fours this week. Uh, could be interesting if you want to wait par three scoring uh, with, with five of them on the scorecard this week. And Given that there's five par threes, it's a pretty long course, over 7,400 yards. I've seen a lot of chatter on social media about this being a bomber's paradise. Obviously, we don't. Uh, we only have the one year of data from last year, uh, but uh, you know, most people seem to think that it's a bomber's course. So, what do you think of our venue this week? Yeah, it's hard to argue against the bomber narrative. Uh, the fairways were easy to hit, and a lot of guys were hitting driver last year. The average driving distance was well above tour average. And then if you look at the the penalty for hitting in the rough, it was uh, basically non-existent. So everything kind of sets up for the bomber narrative. Uh, like you mentioned, a lot of long holes out there and a lot of long irons as well. Um, more than 40% of approach shots last year were over 200 yards. So going to have uh, a lot of 150 plus. Uh, very few wedges were hit last year, which uh, is certainly interesting compared to most PGA Tour stops, especially the weaker filled ones. We typically see a lot of a lot of wedge contests, but that's not going to be the case this year. Um, in terms of difficulty, it was about 24th out of 50 last year, so right around uh, PGA Tour average. But uh, I do think the scoring conditions are going to be better this time around. doesn't look like there's going to be much wind in the forecast. I do think last year was pretty windy, if I remember correctly. And so, yeah, I'm looking for bombers, looking for birdie makers, and not really – focusing on around the green that much because the greens were easy to hit and the scrambling percentage was pretty high. So I think you want to have, you know, some distance some putting and uh, some good approach play with your long irons. We do have a few solid names at the top this week, uh, but kind of like last year, not a, as many household names as you would get in kind of a elevated tier event. Uh, so John Rahm was the clear kind of class of the field here last year. Uh, and that's in the case again this year. He's the biggest name in the field. Um, and then this, you know, the the field strength really starts to uh, to dip off once you get past the top 10 or 15 players. Uh, Rom, of course, is the defending champion. So he won here. He paid off that uh, plus 400 or whatever odds he was to win last year. Uh, he's going to have really strong odds again this year. Tony Finau is the second guy on the board. Uh, ironically, he finished T2 here last year. So it uh, was the cream rises to the top. We just don't have a lot of higher-end golfers teeing it up this week. What do you make of the uh, fact that, you know, we've got a second year here? Are you putting much stock into how guys did last year? Uh, and with kind of the weaker field at the bottom, are you more inclined to, to start at the top this week? 
Yeah, uh, in terms of course history, if a guy played well here last year, I think that's a bonus. If uh, they didn't play here last year, I don't think that's a, a negative whatsoever. Um, just because you know we only have one year of data to work with, but a lot of chatter today about Rom's price point. Um, potentially, if it would have been like 14k, something like that, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. I mean, he's like plus 280 to win right now, and uh, I think it would be interest more interesting if they raised the raise the ceiling of prices and then lowered the floor. So you make guys like 5k, make Rom 14k. I think it would bring more strategy and more of the player pool into into the mix this week because. Everybody's going to play Rom. Everybody's going to play Finau. Um, my idea is to build at least one or have at least one in every lineup that I build. So I'm going to have at least 50% of both of them. And if I can, I'll squeeze in a couple lineups with both of them. But I, I doubt that's going to look very good on paper. So, yeah, I, I can't argue against these two at the top, um, especially when like Wyndham Clark, Gary Woodland. I like those guys, but they're like 7K in most events. So for me, it's uh, the top two. And I'm just going to eat the chalk with both of them. I mean, it's not like they made Rom 10-8. You know, he's 12K. That's still a reasonable bump. Like, if you if you want to play Rom and Finau together, you know, you only have 6,800 on average for your other four spots. And it's not like we've got a whole lot of great stuff in the 6Ks this week um, because of how quickly this dips off. So, I don't know. I think they did an okay job. Maybe 12-5. You know, 14K, uh, it, I, I think he wouldn't. Now, we don't have ownership up yet in our lineup HQ page, but uh, if he was 14K, it'd be really, really difficult to roster him. But, Which is uh, how it should be. Right, sure. Huh? Yeah, I I don't know. It's just, But then you're playing – then the contests are just one decided whether or not based on whether or not Rom wins or not, which I guess – I don't know. I don't really like this these events with only kind of one clear-cut yeah. favorite. It just – you know, if you price him too low, he's going to be 50% owned, which nobody really likes. If you price him too high, then, you know, the ownership is lower, but all the contests are dictated based on whether or not he wins, um, especially if he dominates. But you could argue that that's how it should be. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that other than that that makes this tournament a little less exciting, especially when you see those names, you know, once you get eight or ten names deep. Heck, you get four or five names deep. You're, you're at guys that are usually priced below the average uh, per golfer. So makes it tough to ignore Rom and Fino at the top. They're clearly going to be uh, miles more popular than most of the other top-end plays. I do think that that makes the next range really interesting for tournament builds. Uh, you got Wyndham Clark coming off of strong week. Uh, at the team event, and you know he can hit it out there a ways. So of course that theoretically sets up well for him. Uh, Woodland can be a long hitter. He's shown up a little bit more of late. Uh, you mentioned Hoygaard in terms of his performance last week. You got McNeely, Rogers. I mean, these are guys in that. Yeah, we're not used to them being nine K plus, uh, but you know they could have some appeal based on the way they're playing right now. So uh, if you're not going Rom or Finau, uh, where are you starting in the nines? Yeah, I do like Hoygaard quite a bit. So I was looking through his stats today, and he actually, you know, right around tour average in terms of uh, strokes gained off the tee. But when you look at just the distance, uh, he's right up there, um, 12th this year. And uh, if you just look at the percentage of rounds gained distance-wise, uh, he's first in this field both uh, over the last three months and over the last 12 months. So basically, he bombs it out there, and, uh, you know, he gets in trouble when he's not hitting fairways, and that's just not a big issue here. So 
He's going to be one of my favorite plays. I do think he's going to be popular. I've already seen him on everybody's betting card, and that typically you know, translates well to ownership. I uh, don't mind Wyndham Clark. Like you mentioned, he's been playing great bomber. Um, he can putt too. So those would be my two favorites uh, in the 9Ks. But uh, I don't get why McNeely is expensive. He hasn't had a top 30 in three months. I mean, I know he's a big name, but uh, that feels like an overpriced to me. Yeah. Pendrith, Pendrith's kind of the same. Um, maybe, I mean, they're both good fits on paper, I guess, but they both just been in such bad form. So I'd rather have Hoygaard. I'd rather have uh, Clark. And then uh, I like Patrick Rogers a little bit. A couple t- top 20s in a row. A guy that uh, has played here last year, top 10. And uh, most much like these other guys, he's long off the tee and he's a good putter. So I think that's a good combo this week. Yeah, as long as the approach play stays uh, reasonably good. I, I like the the Clark and Rogers types this week. Uh, we're kind of on the same page with how to handle that 9K range. Um, I'm out on Pendrith, Benion, McNeely. Um, again, you can't play everybody, especially if you want to get a lot of exposure to Ram and Fino at the top. So easy to X off some of these guys. Uh, like Clark coming off of last week, like Rogers, um, just in general, these are the types of events, weaker fields where he tends to thrive and uh, played well last year, as you mentioned, and playing better now. So, all right. Um, now it is where it really dro- drops off. I, I don't remember the last time I've seen Bull Hostler at 8,800. He always seems to be random chalk at times. Don't think that's probably going to happen this week. Uh, but now we're at guys already here in the 8Ks um, that sometimes are priced, you know, in the 68, 7,000, 7,200 range. And it just, again, it's so unique with Rom and Finau being the clear top two. And then the fact that they're not priced through the roof, um, that that's where so much ownership is going to go. And, you know, we're not trying to race through this by any means. It's just the nature of this field. Um so what the heck do we do with all of these 8K guys that are usually $2,000 less? Yeah, it's kind of weird. So I was looking at my rankings today, and the guys that are ranked between 5th and 30th in my model are have a difference in percentage points of 10, um, which you usually see a much bigger discrepancy. Um, you know, there's Ron, there's Fina, and then there's a big drop-off, and then there's Clark and Rogers, and then there's pretty much 20 guys uh, all right next to each other in terms of their rating. So... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the guys that I like the most, uh, I think Alex Smalley sets up well. He hasn't been in the best of form, but the ball striking is a lot better than the results. And he was sixth here last year. I like Steven Yeager. Um, he, it's been a while since we've talked him up. I mean, we bring him up every every episode of the show, but uh, that's usually because of the chat. So I think it's a good week for him. He was T15 here last year. He's long off the tee. He's good with his irons, uh, good with the long irons. And then uh, yeah, I, th- I think he just sets up well for the course. But everyone else, I mean, I'm okay with Aaron Rye, SH Kim, maybe. Uh, who are your favorites in the range? Yeah, if you look at kind of, I've got 36 round data pulled up. A couple of those guys you mentioned, Smalley, 12th in ball striking, uh, 10th T to green over the last 36 rounds. Jaeger, 18th in ball striking, 8th T to green in this field. Um, Ben Martin is the other guy up here. He's fifth in approach, uh, 17th in tee to green over the last 36 rounds. So those are the guys in the 8K range that grade out well from the tee to green metrics. Uh, the short game has been the one thing kind of letting Smalley down a little bit. Uh, if that kind of gets back 
regresses to the mean a little bit. Uh, could be good news for his results. But if you look at all the strokes gain categories, uh, the guy in this range that is actually the best uh, in total strokes gained is is Jaeger in that uh, in that range. So uh, maybe the uh, the Jaeger love is justified. Dude's going to be like a first round pick in the snake draft tonight. <laughs> um, at uh, you know as I don't know where he is there about one of the. 13th, 15th, most expensive, something like that. Um, the other guy that looks okay statistically is Robbie Shelton. He's always very inconsistent. Uh, he was 15th at the Texas Open a few weeks back. Had a couple missed cuts before that, but one was at the players. You know, we can forgive him for that. He was 39th at the Arnold Palmer, 21st at the Honda, 20th at Pebble Beach, 6th at the American Express, 10th at the RSM last fall to close out the fall swing. So he's been playing okay. Um, a guy that's, you know, a little inconsistent as well, but his ball striking numbers are even a little bit better than Jaeger's over that, uh, kind of six, five, six month time span. So yeah, I like those guys that you threw out there. Um, SH Kim always a bit of wild of a wild card, but I'll throw Robbie Shelton in the mix at eight K also. Yeah. I don't mind that call one bit. Um, he's pretty long off the tee. Yeah. He's pretty average, actually, but uh, very good iron player. Uh, long irons are good, too, so I like that pick. As long as he can keep it in play, uh, should be fine. His around-the-green game numbers are fairly good as well. So uh, if he can keep it in play off the tee, I like him at 8,000. Um, but, you know, you kind of hinted that there's not a whole lot separating kind of this entire range. Some of these guys that are priced at 76, 78, 7,900, you really wouldn't bad an eye if they were priced similarly to the guys that are in the 8Ks. Just not a whole lot of differentiation here. So, And particularly if you are starting at the top, uh, your lineup build is probably going to command maybe a few more of these 7K players as opposed to the 8K guys. So since you like obviously like Raman Finau quite a bit, I mean, is the 8K range here? Is this a spot where you're just probably not going to have a lot of exposure simply because of the way your lineup construction is going to work? Yeah, I'll have to. I'll definitely have to look at it because I do think um, the two that I mentioned, Smalley and, and Jaeger, are you know, two of the better point per dollar options. So I'll have to see how uh, lineup construction works. I haven't actually tried to build a lineup yet, but uh, I imagine I can't get those guys if I play Rama and Fina together. All right. Well, let's look into the seven Ks to see if any of these options are maybe a little bit more appealing to save some money. Um, couple guys that grade out fairly well in our early projections. Lee Hodges is one. Been a little bit more hit or miss. Uh, I don't mind Will Gordon on courses like this. I always kind of talk him up. Um, notice that one guy that's kind of standing out uh, in your model numbers as well is Eric Cole, who's had some decent results this spring. Uh, you've got Bramlett in here, Lipsky in here. These are guys that you know sometimes have popped around the 7K range, so they don't seem horribly overpriced. Um, any of these guys fancy uh tickle your fancy here in the top end of the 7k range yeah uh eric cole's 10th in the model that doesn't sound great but uh he's 7500 he's been uh pretty decent in the spring like you mentioned and i heard that he went and played a mini tour event uh, just because he didn't he couldn't have any starts due to the masters and a couple of the other uh big field events so he that he wasn't getting into so he went and played the mini tour event and he won it so uh he's he's coming off of a win you know um <laughs> At 7,500, that's just so funny that he he made $2 million or whatever um, at the Honda, and now he's playing mini-tour events again. But I like him at 75. You mentioned Will Gordon. This feels like a perfect course for him. 
he's probably going to put up a 74 one day and then uh 63 the next day. That's just what he does. But uh, if he could string together some rounds, I think he could go really low here. Um, I like Bramlett a little bit too. Really good ball striker. Underrated around the greens and one of the worst putters in the field. So <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Um, slightly better Luke list at this point. And then <laughs> that's not a high bar. <laughs> and then uh, Alonso Griffin. I can't figure out why he rates out so well. He's a good putter. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of bogeys. His stats are just average across the board, but I uh, did finish T15 here last year. I was looking at guys that play well on past Palom, and he's one of the best um, right there with Nate Lashley, who, um, yeah, he always seems to do well in these. It's got to be like a four-course sample size, though. So, yeah, you have like Corrales and Mayakoba and <laughs> – Puerto Rico, I think. It's all the ones that are right by the water that are usually alternate field events. Certainly doesn't hurt, though, if you're looking for some options in this range. Uh, I kind of mentioned my favorites there. I can get behind Griffin a little bit also. Oh, I see a lineup HQ tag on Michael Kim here. Uh, it's when you know that it's a starts to get pretty rough when a 7,300 Michael Kim is in play. <laughs> Hey, he's my new guy. Uh, I brought him up a few times the last uh, couple months, and I did not even. So, did, was he? He was with somebody last week, right? Yeah, I can't remember where they finished, but I think it was like top fifteen. Uh, I gotta find it. Oh, because I he saw that he was Sung Yul No, I think. Uh, I uh, am stalling for ten seconds, and I'll let you know where he finished. Um, let's see. He was on my main lineup. That helped me. So. Uh, T nineteen. There you go. So, yeah, and he was uh, like 6,400 that week or whatever. But um, he's added a lot of distance. So, in this field, he's 30th off the tee in distance. Uh, good iron player. Doesn't make a lot of bogeys. Hasn't played here before, but I, I think he's pretty good at 7,300. I can't fault you for that because they're really – this is the, the point where it really just goes downhill. Um, you know, Ekro grades out reasonably well. Um, but then you got guys that are just aren't consistently making cuts. I mean, the Gim Hoffman, Cameron Champ, you know, names that you'll recognize in here just are, aren't playing well um, at this particular stage. I think Schmidt is a guy that uh, might get a little bit of traction uh, because of how weak the range is. Looks like he grades out fairly well in your model too, but uh, just not a lot to get excited about down here. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. <laughs> I was trying to find somebody else to talk about. Um, maybe Akshay Batia, um, a guy that everybody likes to play. He's had his best results by far when, when the courses are resort courses right by the water. This te technically isn't a coastal course because it's like a mile in from the shore, but should still be, uh, you know, something that he likes. And after that, I don't I don't have much for you in the seven case. Our uh... – Roto Grinders projections really like Cameron Percy for some reason. Um, why is he popping so much? He's always been a good iron player. That has tailed off lately, though. I don't think I'm going there. Um, he's at 6.9K. I mean, then you've got guys that they're just, yeah, nobody's overpriced once you get to this range, but find me somebody that you feel confident rostering maybe this is a party marty laird course but none of these guys are playing well at all um your boy kevin roy down here at 6500 <laughs> but 
I mean, what kind of trouble are we going to get in with the snake draft here tonight? Um, I mean, hey, Kevin Roy, top top five iron player in the field. If you just look at the last twelve months, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the guy that actually, either. Okay, he's really bad. Yeah, him and uh, Bramlett put him on the same team. The guy that rates out as the best, like plus minus for me, is Alejandro Toasty, and I have no idea who that is. Four straight top twenty fives on. I'm guessing the Corn Ferry Tour. Well, when we when our boldest recommendation of a guy we like is a guy we don't even know, uh, just based on the model numbers, that's when you know it gets pretty weak. Um, it's the new Scott Kucheski or whatever. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just disappeared. Um, yeah, Corn Ferry Tour, 25th, 7th, 10th, 22nd. And it uh, looks like four of the last five weeks, so they're all fairly recent. Sold. 6,500 is your value play of the week. I know nothing about him either. Uh, but, yeah, that's just how how poor this gets at the bottom. And this only took us about 23 minutes to get through. So, again, I knew that was probably going to happen tonight uh, based on the field. But uh, it's not like we're attempting to rush. What about Carson Young has popped a little bit lately? Third in Puerto Rico, similar type of course, 19th at the RBC, four sub-70 rounds. 6,600. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, ben see. Taylor used to be good. <laughs> is is uh, Luke Donald in the field? <laughs> did you see uh, John Daly and David Duvall last week? Yes, I did. Um, shot a, what was that, 84 or something on alternate on shot? Alternate shot, 83 <laughs> uh, on the... On the best ball, they still only shot three, uh, three over, but uh, yeah, so alternate shot, they shot 83. Uh, they did make a birdie, so let's see, they, ma they made a birdie on 10, um, on a fairway missed, and then a daily somehow had to approach to six feet, and they made a birdie, so uh, that was one birdie, and Four bogeys and four doubles in the easiest course on the PJ Tour. But uh, they were 12 shots worse than any other pairing. Uh, and there were only two groups that ended over par, and they were plus 14. So uh, for what it's worth, if you're looking for guys that may have missed the cut, but like, so Will Gordon and Davis Thompson missed on the number. Uh, Batia missed on the number. Robbie Shelton, Lee Hodges missed on the number. Uh, Eric Cole missed on the number as well with Sam Saunders. So a lot of these guys we've talked about as potential values this week. Uh, you don't have to worry uh, too much about the miscut last week. They just missed it on the number. So um, nothing that's super alarming, at, at least as far as performance. And we're not playing John Daly and David Duvall this week. So, all right. Anything else we need to go through on these, uh, these golfers before we turn into draft mode? Uh, I don't think so. I think we might have to do the the six man this week. I though. think so. I think that's going to have to be a six man. Otherwise, it's going to get really ugly. And I have a feeling it might take a little bit more time to fill than normal if we try to do a twelve. Let's see what's what's out there. Um, but uh, before we do that, if you're listening uh, just on the podcast feed, a little bit of a shorter one for you this week uh, with the field just not having a whole lot of rosterable options. You're going to see concentrated ownership this week. Uh, so, you know, maybe go a little bit lighter 
Uh, we'll have another elevated event here soon that gives us a little bit more to talk about. But uh, as always, appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, we'll be back here next week. So uh, we shall uh, bid you adieu if you are listening only and you don't want to stay tuned for the snake draft because we will move to that now. So 